We're Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. Most of you guys know that uh, we have three kids, two daughters and a son, a son who's uh, 13, Caden is his name, and he loves to learn. That's one of his favorite things to do. He loves gathering knowledge. He also loves annoying his sisters with the amount of knowledge that he has. And I'm sometimes convinced that the reason why he loves to learn is probably motivated by his greater joy, which is actually annoying his sisters. <laughs> uh, he, 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 he knows a lot about a lot of very random things. He, he really does. He, he reads books. He, he listens to podcasts. If you have ever heard of SYSK, Stuff You Should Know, I mean, that plays constantly as a, like a metronome in, in our house, just droning on and on and on. And Kate is gathering all this information. And and what he loves to do is he loves to, he loves to rub the, 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 the knowledge that he has in his sister's faces, and he loves, he loves that idea. Um, he, he's, he's knowledgeable, but when I see the, what he does with that knowledge, I, I start to realize that I don't think he's as wise, maybe, as he thinks he is. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I've always said to our kids, our girls growing up and now Caden, is part of growing in knowledge is, is understanding the signal that you send to other people. That's one of the ways that I define knowledge. Knowledge is understanding the signal that you send to others. And, and as I say, when I, when I see the enjoyment that he has in showing his sisters up, I, I realize that, yes, he knows a lot, but he still has to grow in this area of, of wisdom and understanding. For every one of us here, whether we know Jesus, whether we are followers of Jesus, or whether we are, are exploring a relationship with, with Jesus, it's important, it's, it's vital, it's essential for us to know things about God. But, but knowledge can only take us so far. You know, you, it's, it's impossible to develop a relationship with, with God, with anyone, with just cold hard facts. Knowledge alone won't do it. I mean, what, what good is knowing facts about God if it doesn't change the way that you relate to God? And if it doesn't change you as a person? So in addition to knowledge, there is, there is something else that we need, and, and I think that is, that is wisdom. For me, biblical wisdom is always outworked in the context of deep relationships. Wisdom for me is, is understanding knowledge about God and outworking that in relationship with Him and with one another. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. Wisdom is, for me, knowledge about God that is experienced in and through my life and through my heart. And so the question we wanna, I want to ask and answer kind of first off this morning is, how do we grow in wisdom? And Proverbs chapter 9, Psalm 111, tell us the exact same thing. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Passion Translation puts Psalm 111 like this. Where can wisdom be found? It is born in the fear of God. I want you to sit on that for a moment. Uh, this idea of the fear of the Lord, I think, is a, is a concept that probably makes some of us, maybe even most of us, a little uncomfortable. I think we'd all agree that it would be so much easier, so much nicer, so much more palatable if Psalm 111 said, the love of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it says to us, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord holds intention 
the reality that, that, that God is, is, is the one that we are called, called to, to say He is ours, but at the same time, He is in heaven. Fear of the Lord and is, is holds in intention the fact that God is our Father. He is, he is accessible. He is approachable. He is intimate. He is close. But also, He is, he is the God who is, who is in heaven, the, 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 the ruler of the heavens and the earth. He is altogether other and altogether different. If we are to understand the fear of the Lord, we have to be able to distinguish fear as it relates to um, the, the all-consuming wrath of God and fear as it relates to the holiness of God. You see, both of those things, the, 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 the consuming wrath of God and the holiness of God, both of those will elicit a response of fear, but only understanding God as holy will call, cause us to respond with worship and reverence. We have to understand that for those of us who are in Jesus Christ, for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, the all-consuming, justifiable wrath of God against sin has been satisfied by Jesus on the cross. When Jesus gave up his last on the cross, when, when, when he was belittled, when he was scorned, when a crown of thorns was placed on his head, when nails were driven through his hand and through his feet... When the sin of the world, both past, present, and future, when, when all of that was placed upon Jesus to the point where his father, where our father turned his gaze from Jesus, causing Jesus to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of that, which was done because of his intense and deep love for you and me, all of that ensured that the wrath of God was satisfied for those who would place their faith in Jesus. So you and I who, who, who have accepted Jesus into our hearts as Lord and Savior, when we approach God, we don't approach Him in fear of His all-consuming wrath and anger. We approach Him in fear of His holiness. We approach Him with reverence. We approach Him with awe. We approach Him with honor. We approach Him with joy and with gladness. Hebrews 12 tells us this, that, that we worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Can I just take a moment quickly just to say that if you are here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, I want to say the invitation is available to you, not from me, but from God the Father. The invitation is available to you to come out from underneath God's justifiable wrath, not against you, but against sin. As we place our faith in the work of Jesus, as we acknowledge that Jesus has died on the cross and, and satisfied the, 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 and paid the price for the sin of the world, we come out from underneath God's wrath and anger against sin. John 3.16, which even if you don't follow Jesus, you've no doubt heard this, this verse before. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their faith in him, shall not perish, but you will have everlasting and eternal life. That invitation is available to you today. As I say, not from me, but from God the Father. So I would say worshipful reverence and awe and not trembling in terror define the right fear of the Lord. Psalm 111 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but perhaps we could say the worshipful reverence and awe of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And the Passion Translation, again, in Proverbs 9 says this, the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God. Love that, I love that, uh, that, 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 that translation of, of Proverbs chapter 9. We start a new series today. I say all that to say we start a new preaching series today. And our, our goal in this preaching series is to give you sufficient reason, to, probably to give you endless reasons, hopefully, that you and I would be able to worship God with reverence and awe, so that together we might grow in the wisdom of the Lord. Over the next six or seven weeks, we're going to learn about the one who is without limits. We're going to learn about the God who is all-knowing. We're going to learn about the one who is forever faithful and who is infinitely mysterious. We're going to learn about the one who is ever-present and all-sufficient and all-powerful. We're going to learn about the one who is sovereign and ruler over all. And we're going to learn about the, the, the God, the one who, who never changes. But most importantly, we're going to learn about how God reveals these aspects of his nature and his character through testimonies of people that are in this room. Our goal in this series is not just to give you information about God. Our goal in this series is not just to give you some more facts that you can tuck away for a, a time down the road. Our goal, our, our hope through the series is to speak about testimonies of how God has revealed his character and nature. To encourage you, to encourage us, as I said, to, to be able to worship God with reverence and awe so that we might grow in wisdom with God. So over the next six or seven weeks, we start this series today called Testify. Revealing the character and the nature of God. Nearly 22 years ago, my eldest daughter was born. And I remember it so clearly as if it was yesterday. And it wasn't any more special than the birth of any of our other children. It was just perhaps more significant in the sense that it was our very first child. I remember that day so clearly. I was, I was so, so nervous. I was, I was nervous at the reality of becoming a father for the first time. But I was also nervous, in, in fact, I was also petrified of having to go into surgery. And, and the, 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 you know, the reality was, Bex was breached, and so Debs had to have a, a planned C-section. I, I remember I was as white as a ghost. I, I was, my, my hands were sweaty, my, my heartbeat was beginning to drop. It was almost as if I was preparing myself to have my abdomen sliced open. <laughs> Um, which, I, which I wasn't. And I remember the doctors were, were so kind. They, they found me a stool and they said, listen, you go and sit next to Debs uh, near her head and you can encourage her when in fact she was the one who was encouraging me. I mean, she's the one having her abdomen sliced open and she's the one sharing nice and comforting and, and kind words to me, which can I say, I think was actually the drugs, perhaps more than anything else, but uh, I just want to... Just want to put that, put that out there. <laughs> but, I, but I remember so clearly that the, 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 the anesthetist was kind of keeping his eye on me to make sure that I didn't fall over. And, and they even erected this little screen so that I wouldn't see what was going on kind of near the sliced abdomen part. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I made a mistake and I, and I diverted my eyes from Debs and I gazed up and, and I saw the reflection of her abdomen in the doctor's glasses, and I, I honestly, I almost, I almost fell over. So fortunately, 10, 15 minutes later, my little baby girl arrived in the world, and it was such a precious moment. It was such an incredible occasion, and I remember 
two things so distinctly. Firstly, she was blue. Uh, no one prepared me for that, because in, in movies, what you see is a little baby wrapped in kind of, you know, nice linen cloth or what have you, and there's no, there's none of that, you know, mucusy stuff or anything over her. It's just perfect. She was blue, and, and the reality was she was folded in half like a thank you card. I mean, she, she literally was. And I was convinced, like, what? oh my goodness, you know. But Debs reassured me that she was fine, and this was absolutely normal. So I sat there, and I, and I watched how they took her off to the side, and the very first thing they did was they measured her. They took her measurements, and, and so she was 20 inches long, unfolded, 20, 20 inches long, and, and she weighed 7.9 pounds. Those were, those were measurements that we remember. But I tell you that story to say, to say this, the, the, the point is this, at that moment, as it was true for every single person sitting in that room, at that moment when she was measured, that was the first irrefutable, undeniable reality and fact that she was not God. There would be times later in her life, many times, where she would you know, affirm that reality by her behavior and her action, but at that moment, like it was for every single one of us, she, it was very clear that she was not God. Why do I say this? Because you and I, Bex, was then and is now measurable. And God cannot be measured. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this, He alone is the immortal God, living in the unapproachable light of divine glory. No one has ever seen His fullness, nor can they. For all the glory and endless authority of the universe belongs to him. Psalm 145 says, Lord, you are great and worthy of the highest praise, for there is no end to the discovery of the greatness that surrounds you. Any sermon series that, that has as its goal to, to reveal the character and the nature of God has to start with the reality that God is without boundary, that God has no limits. His limitlessness undefines every aspect of his character and his nature. His knowledge, his sufficiency, his power, his sovereignty, his grace, his goodness, his faithfulness, his love, his mercy, and I'm just mentioning a handful of the attributes of God, are not just great, but they are immeasurably so. Some people might say that, that someone has infinite patience or, or boundless energy, which I'm sure are attributes not associated with me, but, but it is impossible to actually declare that someone born and measured in this planet can have infinite patience or boundless energy because only God is infinite and unbounded by limits. He defies measurement of any kind. But we love to measure, don't we? We as people love to measure. We love to number. We love to count. We love to catalog. We love to quantify. We love to forecast. We love to budget. We love to keep track of. It's, it's our way of, of, of keeping an account of ourselves. It, 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 we, it's our way of measuring an exercise of control, especially when things feel overwhelming or out of control. I love the movie, um, I, I might watch the pronunciation, is it Hoosiers or Hoosiers? 
The basketball movie, Hoosiers. All right, forgive me for my terrible pronunciation. It's on Netflix at the moment if you, if you want to watch it. But real quick, the, the, the story is about this. I think it's a true story. Um, this, this, this high school basketball team from India, small town in Indiana, make it all the way through to the state finals, played in Indianapolis. Um, and and the, 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 the team arrived the day before, and they arrive in the stadium, and, and it is 20 times the size of their high school gym. And the coach can understand and begin to pick up the, the apprehension and the sense, of feeling, the, the sense of the kids feeling overwhelmed by the moment. And so what the coach does is he gets out a measuring tape, and he gets one of the kids to measure the distance from the free throw line to the backboard, 15 feet. And he gets the kid to, to, uh, uh, another kid to measure the distance from the ground to the rim, 10 feet. And then he says this, I, I'm sure you would quickly acknowledge or recognize that it is the exact same dimensions of our high school gym back at home. You see, when we measure things, when we, when we take stock of things, when we can count things, when we can quantify things, it gives us a sense of, of, of peace. It gives us a sense of reassurance. I want to say, except if you are tracking your budget and you realize that your spending for the month has completely blown what you had planned. Uh, what, what I like to do once a, once a week on a Monday, on a day off, uh, I'm a little bit of a clean freak. So one thing I do is I do our budget, and the other thing is I do is I, is I clean the house. Uh, it's the, my way of resting. Don't judge me for that. But, uh, but the family knows the degree to which I clean the house is, is the reflection on how our budget is going. So, so if I do the money before I clean the house and our spending is way off, honestly, the house is spotless because everything else has to, has to be in order. We constantly measure things. We constantly measure people. That's a sermon for another time. We measure things. We measure people. And I want to say we, we do our utmost to try and measure God. The problem is, is that we, we cannot take a full measurement of God, no matter how hard we try. As I said earlier, God is immeasurable. God is unquantifiable. God is, God is uncontainable, unbound, and without limits. God, despite our endless and fruitless attempts, cannot, God cannot be contained within a physical or within a mental boundary. And, and I've said this before from this pulpit, but, but if I can define God... If I can contain God within the, within the limits of my understanding, if I can figure out God in some way, shape, or form, is that a God worthy of worship? Is that a God that is worthy of us throwing our lives down if he can be contained within the limits of our understanding? Isaiah 40 says this, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Isaiah right there is, is asking and answering two essential questions. Question number one, who has measured everything? The answer, God has. But the second question Isaiah is asking is, who has measured God? And the answer, no one. There's a phenomenal book on the attributes and character of God by uh, um, a person called Jen Wilkin, uh, and uh, her book is called None Like Him. And she says this about the unlimited nature of God. Our God, unbounded, sets boundaries for oceans. He catalogs hairs on heads and numbers the stars and grains of sand. 
Our God unlimited specifies the length of our limbs and the circumference of our crania. He measures our very days in handbreadths lovingly and with intent. And all that he measures is perfect in measurement. All that he bounds is perfectly boundaried. Yet he himself is infinitely limitless, measureless, and unbounded. Love that. Absolutely love that. So what is the point that I'm trying to drive home? Uh, there are two mistakes that we made, and I mentioned the first one. The first mistake is that we, 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 we try to make the mistake of limiting God within the limits of our limited understanding. But the second mistake is just as egregious, and that is we, we, we don't learn and celebrate the limits that the unlimited God has placed on you and me. And I want to focus on that second one, the, the absolute importance of, of us understanding that this unlimited God that we worship is a God who places boundaries and limits on us. And we have to learn to, to acknowledge, to identify, and to celebrate those limits that God places on us. Whenever anyone begins to characterize the, the nature and the character of God, you can, you can make various lists based on, on different criteria. And I want to show you two lists that I've put up behind me. Uh, uh, the list on, on my right, on, on your left, is a, is a list of characteristics or traits that are true of God and God alone. He alone is, is, is infinite and incomprehensible. He alone is self-existent and self-sufficient, eternal, immutable, omnipresent, omniscient, om omnipotent, and sovereign. The list on my left, on, on your right, is a list that is, that is absolutely true of God too. But over time, and as we submit and surrender our hearts to Jesus, that list on the left, on your right, can be true of us as well. God is holy, and we can become holy. Loving, just, good, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, wise, jealous for His glory, faithful, righteous, and true. Both lists are completely true in an unlimited fashion of God. But as we are born again, as we surrender our hearts to Jesus, as we learn to be filled with the Spirit and walk with the Spirit, this list on my left, on your right, can become increasingly true of us. It's what's called growing or maturing in Jesus, being conformed into His image. But I want to suggest, friends, that while that is true, there are times in our lives when we wish certain attributes on this side were true of us as well. Instead of worshiping the God of unlimited knowledge, there are times we refuse to go into a situation without absolutely knowing the beginning from the end. There are times when we need to trust the God who is sovereign. Instead, we insist on absolute control and absolutely known outcomes. There are times when we need to turn to the God who is all-sufficient and to trust in Him, yet we somehow find ourselves turning to our insufficient selves and insufficient others. We are more likely as people to think about how we can exercise unlimited control and power rather than how we can express unlimited love and patience. We are created to reflect the image of God. Instead, at times, we choose to rival God. 
I want to say, friends, being an image bearer as we are created to be is to pursue these traits on my left, on your right, to pursue those traits so that they would be expressed in an unlimited fashion, but then to trust the God who is without boundary to be the one who can fulfill the, limit, the, the, the traits on the, on, on the right. When I reach the end of my knowledge, when I reach the end of my strength, when I reach the ability to control a situation, my response shouldn't be to try and access absolute control, but rather to worship God with reverence and awe because He is the one with unlimited knowledge and unlimited power and unlimited strength. This series is a series called Testify. And so I wanna take a few moments just to share a little of my journey in coming to embrace, well, coming firstly to understand the God that we worship as a God of no limits, but also to come to terms and to identify and celebrate the limits that God has placed on me. All of my life, I've struggled with this need to be accepted. All of my life, I've, 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 I've never wanted to disappoint people. And before I knew Jesus, it got me into incredible trouble which is not a story for right now, but responding to peer pressure and doing things that I should never, ever have done. But the problem was that that need for acceptance, that need to be loved, that need to be liked, it, it transferred over into ministry. So much so that I was, I was desperate for, 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 for the church, church in the city at the time, Anthem Church, now desperate for the church to be, to be proclaimed a success. What even is that, by the way? I mean, I don't even know what that is. But so desperate to, for, for this church to be seen as a success so that I could find acceptance and so that I could be acceptable to other people. It, it resulted in, in me working, honestly, week in and week out, 80 to 90 hours a week. Impo- I, 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 it was impossible for me to, to delegate or to trust anything to anyone. And I, I don't think I burnt out. I I, I don't think I did, but I came close. I was so afraid of disappointing some people in this room, so afraid of of hearing the words, you weren't there for me, so afraid of of hearing or even receiving the suggestion that I hadn't done enough for someone or someone else. And it drove me to absolute exhaustion. Unsurprisingly, I began to measure things. I wasn't measuring what God had given us and therefore celebrate. I was measuring what God hadn't given us and what God wasn't doing. And so I felt abandoned and I felt forgotten. I started measuring and I started comparing myself. I started looking at other churches in the city and other churches in the nation that were quote unquote successful and thought to myself, if I could just be like that leader, If I could just have that person's gifts or that person's abilities, I saw my gifts as so limiting and their gifts as so unlimited. And I'm sure you can identify to that that when we start to compare ourselves. What we have seems so constrained. What other people have seems so amazing and so incredible. I was consumed with trying to measure what God didn't and to try and live like the God of no limits. It wasn't a moment in time, it was more a process. As I, a process of God beginning to reveal to me who I was, and therefore by definition who I wasn't. Revealing to me what gifts I had, and therefore by definition what gifts I didn't. 
what I was called to, and again, what I wasn't. And, and I think just as an aside, that's been the journey that we've been on as a church, which I found so joyful, so liberating, and, 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 so, and, and, and so exciting to discover and to be confident as a church as to who we are and what God has called us to and what God hasn't called us to and what we are not called to be. The parable of the talents, the, the, the master gives, gives five talents to one, two to another, and, and one to a third. And, and, and I often saw uh, the master giving talents, but he was also entrusting limits to the people he was giving those talents to. Do you know that Jesus operated within limits? For the first 30 years of Jesus' ministry, he never once performed a miracle. He never once preached a sermon. He never once raised someone from the dead because God was teaching Jesus something so more important than worldly success. He was teaching Jesus faithfulness. Faithfulness to the will of the Father. Faithfulness to the timing of God. Jesus learned to be a faithful son, a faithful employee, a faithful member of his community and synagogue. And God affirmed Jesus' faithfulness at his baptism when he said, and Jesus hadn't done anything miraculous, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. When Jesus was, was, was sent by the Spirit into the wilderness and tempted by the devil, the essence of the devil's temptation was for Jesus to cross over the limits that the Father has set for him. Jesus healed everyone the Father released him to heal. But Jesus did not heal everyone in Jerusalem or Israel. Jesus did not set every demoniac free. When in Capernaum, when, when, when everyone was saying, Jesus, stay here, we want to hear your preaching, Jesus didn't stay there and build a megachurch. Jesus followed the will of the Father perfectly. I've said this before, jokingly, three things that are certain in life. God loves you, the devil hates you, and everyone else has a plan for your life. And that's true of Jesus too. Everyone else had a plan for Jesus' life, but he was determined to, to operate, to live within the limits that the God of no limits had placed on him. So that at the end of his life, he could pray, I have completed the work that you have given me to do. Friends, it, this, is a, this is an ongoing journey. I don't stand here saying, those of you who know me, you know that I don't stand here saying, I've got this, I've got this checked, I've, I, I'm, 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 I'm a finished product, I'm, I'm completely free of, of this need to be accepted. I'm still wrestling through and discovering what it means to operate within the limits and to celebrate the limits that God has placed on me. But I'm learning to understand that what God desires of us, friends, is not success. What God desires from us is faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4 says this, now it is required there is an expectation that God has for us. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust, you and I have been entrusted with limits and with gifts and with talents that are unique to you and different to one another. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove not successful. We are not called to, 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 be, to prove successful. We are called to be proven faithful. Faithful to what God has entrusted to us. Can I just say as an aside, because I know some of you might be thinking this, there are times when God wants us to operate, or God wants to move beyond our limits. 
But those are not limits that he places on us. Those are limits that our physical body has placed on us. Those are limits that culture has placed on us. Those are limits that you and things that you and I have placed over us. God wants to operate supernaturally through those limits, but God wants us to operate within the limits that he has entrusted to each of us. When we mistake God's desire for success, sorry, when we mistake God's desire for faithfulness as God demanding success, we don't measure as God measures or count as God counts. Let me say that again. When we mistake God's desire for success, sorry, I'm reading this terribly. When we mistake God's desire for faithfulness as God demanding success, we don't know how to count like God counts and to measure like God measures. We think our sorrows and our trials and our difficulties are unending. But the Bible clearly teaches that God counts and measures our sorrows and our trials. They have a beginning and an end. Psalm 56, you keep track of, you number, you record, you keep count of my misery, David writes. We think our sin hangs over us for eternity. But because of Jesus, the Bible teaches, God does not count our sin against us. Romans 4, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Our sins are finite. Our sins have, mag have a certain magnitude. But I wanna say God's grace, which is unlimited and unbounded and unmeasurable, exceeds them all. Romans chapter five says, but where sin increased and abounded, the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God has surpassed it and increased all the more and superabounded. We tend to measure others in order to elevate ourselves. But God wants us to count others as Jesus counted us. Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. We need to learn to reevaluate the measure of success. Philippians chapter three, but whatever gain I, I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. From a kingdom perspective, the measure of adversity changes from curse to blessing. James chapter one, count it, pure joy. Count it, pure joy, brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds. You see, friends, when we learn to, to identify and celebrate our limits, when we learn to, to worship the God who is unbounded and without limits, and when, when, when we realize that God is not looking for success, but looking for faithfulness, that's when we can correctly count and measure as he does, to correctly count our sorrows, to correctly measure our sins, to know that his grace is without boundary, to correctly measure our successes and our circumstances. And then I think we can say what David says in Psalm 16. Surely the boundary lines have fallen for me 
in pleasant places. Surely the measurement that God has given for my life is a pleasant place. I want us to close our eyes if we can for a moment before I call Aiden up. I wanna just pray over us and ask and challenge you with just two quick questions that I felt as we were in worship this morning. Two quick questions that I think we can kind of just in this moment respond to the Lord. Holy Spirit, I, I thank you for this opportunity that, that we've had to sit under your word and I, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that Lord, you would not be done with us, that we would, we would continue just to open our hearts and, and allow you to, to challenge, to, 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 to change, to tweak, to adjust whatever it is you want to adjust in our hearts. I chatted with Candice this morning before church and we were just agreeing that, that just the smallest change, the slightest adjustment in response to the word of the Lord can bring about the most incredible blessing and fruitfulness and favor of God. Father, that's what I pray for upon every person here today. Let me ask you this, just as you sit in this place of receiving from the Holy Spirit, what are you trying to control that God is asking you rather to trust in him for? What are you trying to control that God is asking you rather to trust Him for? Just where you are, just in, in the next 30 seconds, just if, that's, if God highlights something, if the Holy Spirit drops something on your heart, just where you are, just, just Lord, I repent. I'm sorry for trying to hold this in my own hands. I release the situation to you, the God of no limits and I trust you. My, my, my limits are clear. My, my control is clear. My, my, my knowledge is clear. My power is clear. My, my power has limits. My authority has limits. Lord, but yours doesn't. And so I just relinquish this to you. What are you trying to control that God is asking you rather to trust in Him for? Secondly, I want to ask this of you. How have you limited God because in your mind, you can't figure it out yourself. How have you limited God? Because in your mind, you can't figure it out yourself. Maybe there's breakthrough that you're trusting for. Maybe there's, there's a heart adjustment that you're trusting for. Maybe there's a financial crisis, a relational challenge, whatever it is, and you can't figure out how this is gonna be resolved. And I wanna just encourage you this morning and say, God knows. How have you limited God? How have you put God into a box because you don't understand how it's all gonna outwork itself? Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for a release of your spirit upon your precious sons and daughters, that you would bring your eternal wisdom, that you would bring your eternal grace, that you would bring your eternal deliverance, your supernatural power that cannot be contained within the limits of our understanding. And we open our hands and we open our hearts and we say, Jesus, come. Come and do what only you can do. Come and have your way. Come and minister and release freedom upon us this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us, anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.